Two Minute Vantage is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts. And because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. And it's not just hockey that we're talking about. I love hockey, but I also love Neil Young. So if you want to get tickets to see your favorite artist, Game Time can help you there too. And it's an easy two-tap checkout system that allows you to get access to those tickets. The Game Time app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Scott Burnside with a special edition of Two Man Advantage, the podcast. It's special uh, on a number of different levels, Pierre Lebrun, mostly because you're sitting two inches from me, which I know annoys you. Um, And also the fact that we are going to uh, talk a little bit about the decade that was part of the decade blitz at The Athletic. So you should be subscribing to The Athletic to get all of the wonderful content, including Pierre your list of the most memorable on-ice moments of the decade. I did a list of off-ice memorable moments, which aren't as nice or as cheery as yours. Um, but it's a, it's a bit shocking to think that where did 10 years go, my friend? And uh, I've seen your list. I don't think I can quibble with it, but uh, tell us what's number one on the list and why. First of all, I'm not going to deny this because I like poking fun at myself. When I started thinking about the list, I had Salt Lake City Olympics on there, and I realized I was in the wrong decade, <laughs> which... which uh, it, it was in a decade, just not the most recent one. And, and and I think when you're our age, like I'm 47 as I wrote for this decade's piece, and the difference between what happened from 2000 to 2010 and 2010 to now is a complete... It's all the same time period to me for some reason but you're like a dog right because it's in dog years so just you're in hockey writer years all right so <laughs> all right so once I realize- so so once you realize that the korea uh what's the the, the winning goal that where korea lets the puck go through against Ameri- the americans you lets the puck go through yeah um, yeah uh, so I, I had to take out salt lake city <laughs> so yes once i started at 2010 <laughs> And I got the right decade. Um, no, I mean, obviously for me, the golden goal, Sidney Crosby, Vancouver Olympics has to be number one. Just to, you know, not just because Canada won on home ice, although that's really the, the best part of it. But in terms of the pressure that team had and the party it was, you and I covered that together. But, you know, Team USA was such a great story and, and pushing Canada to the brink. And the Olympic tournament as a whole that year in Vancouver was maybe the most entertaining of all the ones that we covered, I thought. No question. That tournament, nothing is close to that tournament. Mm-hmm. And it, and you go back to preliminary game between Canada and Russia. I, I saw some you know people talking about the decade and talking about that tournament. And now I'm like you. I can barely remember what happened last week, let alone what happened in January of 2010. But I, I think there was Never. a <laughs> whatever month it was seemed like we were there in january but like it, it, 
if I recall correctly, I mean, there were a lot of people who felt the Russians, that was their tournament to win, right? I mean, that would, they were right, it was in the wheelhouse, and, you know, Vetchkin and uh, Datsuk. I mean, it was a great team. Remember, Canada crushed them in the preliminary round, sparking maybe the greatest line of the decade from... Ilya Brizgalov. <laughs> Where he, I don't even think he even played in that game. I think it was. Uh, yeah, he was. I think it was Samsonov. Was it not? It no, was, no, it was. Uh, Happy Bulin. <laughs> was it Happy Bulin or was it Nabokov? Yeah, I can't remember. Now. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But the line from Brizgalov was, "They came like gorillas from the cage," which was pretty spectacular. Yeah, and. Uh... We should share the story. This is a podcast where you get to share side stories. So, <laughs> what? I, I don't know where you're going with this, you know, but it's not going to be pretty. Everyone remembers Sidney Crosby scoring the winning goal, which is why it tops my list of on ice NHL player moments of the decade. On ice moments involving NHL players. Um, you and I, so at every big event, whether it's Stanley Cup final or, or big Olympic games, the NHL media. We do a game-winning goal pool. Yep. Everyone chips in uh, ten or twenty bucks, but I think for the gold medal game, we went hard. I think it was forty dollars per bid, and so you—it's it's a blind draft for those listening. You get whoever you get, and you and I got Corey Perry, and Corey Perry had Canada up late in that goal. Uh, two one, two one in that gold medal game until Zach Parise tied it for Team USA, which of course made the story a lot better that it went to overtime and. Uh, thrilling comeback at that point for Team USA. However, as Zach Parise scored, all I can think about is that we were $680 <laughs> shorter in our wallets. But, but you, you know what? I, I remember that part of that story too, but correct me if I'm wrong. I said to you with about a minute and a half to go, it, it, like that game, I've never been in an arena that felt like that. There was no air in... Rogers Place, where the Canucks play, but it was called Canada a Rink or something. Canada House, really. Canada House like. But there was no air in that building. People were so nervous, even though the, uh, Team Canada was up. Like, it was an incredible environment. And I turned to you and I said, you know what? I don't care what it costs us. Let's see some more hockey. Oh, yeah, no. It, it was worth I mean, journal, journal, obviously, the journalism always trumps everything else. And that was the best part of all, is that it went to overtime. And of course, at the time, we still called him Sid the Kid. That's a long-ago nickname that is no longer adorned by Sidney Crosby. But, of course, he would score with the country on his shoulders. Uh, it was really an amazing tournament to cover. Um, and I was going to mention another part of that tournament, and now I've, I've forgotten. Well, I'm going to come back to that tournament for my favorite moment of the last decade. But I want to I uh, stay with the theme for you. Um, and I wish Craig Custance was here doing this podcast because I wonder if he would see say his favorite decade moment might be T.J. Oshie's shootout heroics <laughs> in the preliminary round of the Sochi Olympics, a game that in the end meant nothing because neither Team Russia nor Team USA got any got a sniff of the medals. Uh, but that was a pretty dramatic Olympic moment. But I, I, to your your theme in the on ice. Uh, top moments of the last decade. I mean, there's a, there's a real theme, and, I, and part of our coverage, I know Eric Dehatchuk, uh, the the most important or um, impactful personalities in the game, went this direction, and I believe Craig Custins is also doing a piece on him, and that is Sidney Crosby, because not only does he win the gold medal on the golden goal in 2010, uh, but he, in the middle of the decade, um, 
really, you know, sort of to me revived his, I want to say this the right way, because there was a period of time after they won the Cup in 09, right, it was a struggle for the Penguins, even bounced in the first round a couple of times, they went to one conference final and got swept by Boston in uh, 2013, um, but Crosby comes back and goes back to back in uh, 16 and 17, and that's pretty high up on your list, and I wonder what, I mean, it seems self-evident, but What's that say about him and, and, and when you think about this decade and his place in it? Yeah, that was number three on my list. For, for some arbitrary reason, you've skipped number two, but I guess we'll... we'll I don't on. care about number two. I don't even know what it is. What? I'm not going down every... Te- I'm, not doing te- I'm not doing all of your list. This isn't entirely about you. I'm just going... I'm skipping the... I'm picking, cherry-picking them. Don't, don't bully me. You're <laughs> bullying me right now. I don't like it. Yes, so Crosby was, uh, I mean, he's num- number one on my list with the golden goal, but he's number three on my list with the back-to-back Stanley Cup titles. And the point I made is that I, I don't know that we'll ever see a back-to-back champion ever in the salary cap era again. Maybe, but it's extremely difficult for a, a million and varied reasons. And during that 24-month period, Sidney Crosby really put that team on his back. I know that Evgeny Malkin's al- always there, and um, you know Matt Murray was excellent in goal, but... Sidney Crosby may have played his best hockey of his life in those two back-to-back years. And sandwiched in between those two cups was his MVP performance at the World Cup of Hockey in September 2016. Because, you know, that's what he needed is more hockey during those 24 months. But he was spectacular in that tournament. I mean, I think people forget that a bit because another one on my list, Team North America, that was for Craig Custance. That's number 10. But... Everyone remembers the kids, and I think, you know, for obvious reasons, that, that really was the fun story of that tournament. But in the meantime, someone had to actually win it, and of course it was Canada again, and Sidney Crosby was spectacular in that tournament. Agreed. And I, I use uh, my list of uh, off-ice you know, top moments away from the ice. Uh, I included the fact that uh, the NHL players weren't in South Korea in 2018, and what a disappointment. And, and, and you know, you and I actually talked recently with uh, Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly about what may happen moving forward, Beijing 2022, and there's, again, a million things to unpack with that. Most notably, whether the IOC is going to stop being a lousy partner and, right. and make it uh, you know, amenable for the NHL and the players to come back. But that, I, I get kind of sad when I think about the fact that it, you go back to that World Cup of Hockey in the fall of 16, and it was it was okay. But the fact that, you know, we're, we have yet to see Austin Matthews and, uh, help me out here, all those young kids, Jack Eichel, and all of those kids who were, um, you know, part of that uh, Team North America team, they, they haven't played with with their countrymen, right? They haven't, there hasn't been a true best-on-best best tournament since the 14 Olympics. And I think it's debatable. No, since the uh, World Cup of Hockey. Well, that's not. But that's not. My point is, to Team North. That's not best on best hockey because you had all those kids playing oh, on one team, right? So my point is, I stopped listening halfway through. I know it's it's not even a question. It's just a point. But it makes me kind of sad that that it's possible we may never see that, right? And you go back to 2010. I thought the Olympics mm-hmm. in 14. That might be the greatest Canadian team ever. That team in 2014. No one had a chance, and we may never see that kind of competition again. Yeah. Uh, it's not a question. You can just say, I don't care, or just move on. Uh, that that team was number five on my list of yeah. decade moments for on ice. Uh, I called it surgery in Sochi. Yeah. 
Oh, nice. Because it was a surgical dismantling of the competition in that tournament. It's funny because I make the point in the piece that, you know, for Canadians, Salt Lake was this incredible half-century relief that the men finally won gold in, in, in hockey. Vancouver was the party of a lifetime for a lot of Canadians. Sochi, I would argue, was actually the best team ever, not just for Team Canada. I remember making this argument that night in, in Russia when we were writing a wrap-up. Maybe the greatest hockey team ever assembled. I mean, from top on down, they had so much depth and skill on that Team Canada and basically played keep away and gave up three goals in the entire tournament en route to that goal. And it wasn't exciting hockey. They just sort of did it very, you know, almost mathematically like a chess match and, and, and won another goal under Crosby's watch. And it was... Uh, that's not the tournament people are going to remember and reminisce about, but I think it was actually their best team. I don't think there's any question. And people, you know, you go back to Vancouver and and how close uh, Team USA came to to winning gold. In fact, they never lost a game in regulation in that tournament. That uh, team put together by Brian Burke and coached by Ron Wilson. But Team Canada, you know, they they had a couple scary moments against Slovakia, right, in the... Semi-final. Uh, was in, in semifinal Vancouver game. And Latvia and uh, Russia. And Latvia, in fact, so Canada gave up three goals in that tournament, two to Latvia. Go figure. And uh, and that was a scare. And that's international hockey for you. You know, one game knockouts. Um, we should get to the number two moment on my list because it, if you must, it was almost my number one moment. But I, I had to stick with the golden goal at number one. Number two is Alex Ovechkin getting his cup. And, and I really think. Um, the pure unbridled joy of that night in Vegas when Ovechkin put his grip on that cup. And if you remember, kept walking around with a cup that night around the rink and refused to, to <laughs> relinquish the cup. Yeah. Uh, and, and the comments that came flowing in from around the hockey world about other people who may not even know Ovechkin that well, but that were just other hockey people being so happy for him to have, who have won the cup because here's the arguably the greatest goal scorer, if not in history, then certainly in, in the modern history. And the, the narrative had been squashed in that moment. The idea that he could win the big one. And I just think that had to be number two on my list after the golden goal. And, and maybe it, would say it speaks to a changing, you know, the culture. And we recently have gone through the whole issue with Don Cherry being fired and from Hockey Night in Canada and, and how, where his views and how they became left behind, became stale and offensive over the years. But, you know, there was, there, there was this on, there was, and whether it came from xenophobia or not, there was this narrative that Ovechkin couldn't win the big one and that was he prepared to do all he needed to do, all those kinds of things. Yeah, and, but I, I, that's, that's that's bullshit. That yeah. uh, listen, Steve Eisenman got the same criticism early on in Detroit when until they won. Like right. everyone, everyone that are you saying he's not Russian? Yeah. So my point is, everyone, every superstar that gets lauded for for their talents who doesn't win will get that criticism. Right. It doesn't matter where you're from. Right. No, it's fair. But it certainly did change yeah. the complete narrative of that. And, and you know what was great about watching that playoff? Um, and it was there was so much drama throughout that 2018 run. Um, you and I covered a great series, Nashville and Winnipeg, that spring. I covered the East Final where it looked like the Caps win. They win two, then lost two, three. three two, right? two, yeah. yeah. And, uh, but Ovechkin was just – he was a force. But he just – you know, he scored big goals, obviously, but he he went through people every night, and it was it, it was a tour de force. And I think it'll be interesting how you know 
Alex Ovechkin at the Player Tour event in September here this year raised eyebrows when he was asked about his future. And he goes, well, I got two years left on my deal. And then I was standing at the back of the scrum. I wasn't asking questions. A lot of my colleagues were. I think Katie Strang was in that scrum. But he he was pressed on it, and he said, well, we'll see. But right now I got two years left on my deal. Pretty interesting comment. But I wonder, ultimately, whether he decides to stay or not past this contract. Um how winning the cup will factor into it. Does it factor it factor into it that he's hungry to win more? Or does it factor into it that he's accomplished what he came to North America to do and now he can go home and maybe play in the KHL? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, that's what's interesting to me. By the way, I remember now what I wanted to, uh, a little PS side note I wanted to share on a podcast about the Vancouver Olympics in 2010. Another highlight for me, was that like, so every day we had to go outside because we weren't rights holders at ESPN.com and shoot a video. <laughs> and there was one time where we did a video and we only realized later after it was published on ESPN.com that there seemed to be a woman dancing in the background of us smoking a joint, if I'm not mistaken. So that's another highlight of. <laughs> I wonder if people listening can Google it and find it. But you know who shot that video it was the great Canadian press uh, reporter Bill Beacon. Oh yeah. And uh, remember after we asked you, we we're like, didn't you see that woman dancing back and forth? Because she comes in and out of frame a number of times. So Bill was like, no, I was focused on you guys. Um, now I lost my train of thought because I wanted to ask you something. Uh, oh, I wanted to. Uh, where on your list of on ice moments, um, the number of uh, can, um, Stanley Cups that came to Canada? in the last decade where is that on your list oh i i, I focus on olympic medals for canada not stanley Cups. because <laughs> that would have been a short list then <laughs> I, 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 I said uh, I, I tweeted uh, recently when i was in montreal that uh, guy carbonet was honored before the game against ottawa uh, last week um um, because he's just been inducted into the hockey hall of fame great ovation from the crowd at the bell center and i tweeted that a uh, great ovation for the last captain of a Canadian team to win a cup. The last captain to raise the Stanley Cup. He, that's him. That's the answer to your trivia question. <laughs> Do you think it matters? Let me ask you this. I mean, in terms of the overall health of the game, and I think it's fair to say the game over this decade has, has you know, it's grown. The revenue has grown, grown by two teams in wildly successful uh, expansions to Vegas. And, and I think it's it's fair to say early on Seattle is going to be a terrific expansion market. Um, the fact that no Canadian team has won uh, in this decade. Now, they did add. You added a Canadian team. One team that came from Atlanta mm-hmm. to Winnipeg during the decade, so that was a pretty big moment. But do you think it? Do you think it matters? And, and let me ask you in this way: so, if Winnipeg, and boy, we thought they might win a cup two years ago in eighteen, they lose to Vegas in the Western Conference Final. But if Winnipeg wins the Stanley Cup, does it change the game in Canada? Because I know this bugs you when people just say, "Oh, I'm going to Canada for the weekend." Because it's not just one place, right? It's a bunch of places. Do you think it matters if they're? Well, let me phrase it this way: What happens when the next Canadian team wins the Stanley Cup? And let's say it's in the next year or two. Does does it change anything for the game in the country if a Canadian team wins? Do you think? Yeah, it's it's hard to answer that. I mean, the reality is this, and I think sometimes American hockey fans 
are misguided on this. I think they always feel that whatever Canadian team left is a team that all of Canada will jump on their bandwagon. It's actually quite the opposite most often. I mean, when the Vancouver Canucks, who I think were the best team uh, of the decade, by the way, they had the best chance at winning and obviously lost to Boston in 2011. But for my money, that was the most talented NHL team from Canada in this decade. Um, they, uh, when they were in the cup final, a lot of Canes were frankly cheering against them. Now, some of that is a lot of Canadians or Boston Bruins fans, especially, uh, in the Atlantic provinces. But in general, there was also just a segment of Canada that didn't like the Canucks and didn't like Canucks fans. And you could really feel that yes. on social media and so on. Um, and, and, and same thing, you know, if the Toronto Maple Leafs ever made a Stanley cup final under Sheldon Keefe, um, it would be a pretty big story because there are Leaf fans in numbers throughout the country. But on the other hand, there are I, maybe just as many people who hate the Leafs as there are who love them. So I, I don't know that I can answer how it would help other than in that specific area, in that fan base, it just creates, you know, layers and layers forever. I mean, yeah. I mean that's essentially it. I mean, listen, there are still Leaf fans talking about the 93 playoffs and they didn't even make the Stanley Cup final. No, I mean, I'm not trying to be... No, that, that's That's how it is. And, and, and so... I mean, here's the better question. Which Canadian team is in the best position to be that team right now? I mean, that's a great question. And and we're taping this and we're talking about the decade. But, you know, that Leaf team looked like it was, you know, charting or trending that way. Hard to imagine that now. Maybe it happens under Sheldon Keefe, as you noted, replacing uh, Mike, the venerable Mike Babcock. Um uh, that's a great question. Winnipeg seems to have fallen back. <clears throat> Winnipeg has, you know, haven't continued their arc. They've got the defensive issues and Dustin Buffalo and all that. What about the Edmonton Oilers, though? Is it, is it possible, as we're talking here, first place in the division look like they're trending to getting back to the playoffs for just the second time since going to the final in 06? Which is another decade. Which is another decade, not in this one. I, see, I would argue this. If the Edmonton Oilers got to a final, I think they might be a team that the entire country might get behind. Well, because I think it's it's almost like Sidney Crosby. Uh, there's so many people that wanted Sidney Crosby to have success because they enjoyed you know watching him and and he you know best player in the world. I think Connor McDavid has already had that impact and 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 would have that impact in a cup run. I think people would want him to succeed. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's a really good point, I think, in terms of, of his ability. And, and funnily enough, I just said I thought the Canucks were the best team, at least for one season in a decade. Wouldn't it be funny if they were the next Canadian team back in the final, given this rebuild starting the mushroom here and show some results here in Vancouver? Very good. All right. Number four on the list. Okay. Chicago winning their first of three cups is number four on my list. 2010. Yep. That was an outstanding year. The rebirth of the love of the game in an original six market. Uh, you and I enjoy going to Chicago. Yep. I smoked a lot of cigars. I remember that spring. I don't smoke any anymore, but I had a lot of cigars. I'd walk downtown and... Yep. Yeah, I remember that. I, I interviewed Rocky Wirtz during the first part of the 2010 Stanley Cup final. And he, he was like a, a rock star, the owner of the Chicago Blackhawks. And, uh, yeah, no, that was a good good final. Are you, you going to run down more? Does anybody else? Yeah, well, I had, so this will be interesting. I think Bruins fans are going to be upset. I only had it at six. But I had the Boston Cup win in 2011 uh, at six on my list. And the reason it's a little lower than probably some people would have had it 
is that, frankly, the hockey wasn't very good in the Stanley Cup final. My opinion. Now, the theater was excellent. <laughs> there was excellent theater and drama and storylines and stuff to talk about. Probably the best Stanley Cup final series of the decade in terms of journalistic coverage or in terms of angles to cover. But purely hockey-wise, and that's what I was trying to do with this list, I penalized it because until Game 7 when the Bruins, uh, you know, uh, played a near-perfect road game to win the Cup, the home team that really had crushed the the home team throughout that final, and it was just weird. Like, I didn't it, – it just wasn't – kind of wondering what was going on yeah yeah there was it wasn't very compelling so let me ask you this question then what of the of all the stanley cup finals in that decade mm-hmm. what's the best final on ice product i'm with you that 2011 you could you could not stop writing there were some somebody got bit somebody bit Patrice Bergeron, that was early on, I believe, in that series. Roberto Luongo, wondering why Tim Thomas wasn't nicer to him. The blowouts, uh, Nathan Horton taking a... Oh, I got that. Uh, it was, all... I, I thought, was it Roberto Luongo saying it wasn't his job to pump Tim Thomas's tires or vice versa? Vice versa. He wanted to know after a game. <laughs> I think that it was one of the games in Vancouver when the Bruins lost in overtime and... Uh, and Luongo played very well and, and did lament why Tim Thomas wasn't being more complimentary of him. <laughs> and I think that was Tim Thomas's comment. It's not my jobs. It's not my job to pump Roberto Luongo's tires. But no, so that's that series had it all. Yeah, there was a there was a ton going on there. Um, but so back to my original question. On ice product, Stanley Cup finals in the past decade, what what stands out to you? What's what's the top one? Whew, that is a good question. I would say, um, you know what? I have to say that one of the things that happens is that you get a lot of tired teams at the end. You know, I found that last spring with St. Louis, Boston, and the Blues are number nine on my list, by the way. But they're just so beat up by the time they get to the end of it. In fact, I would probably say it's from the wrong decade, but one of my favorite finals ever was, was Pittsburgh-Detroit either the first or the second one, because it was outstanding hockey. It was pretty close to this decade, though. Oh, wait, no, nine. You're just out a couple years. But, you know, I I think, yeah, I mean, I think I would probably go with, uh, for the best level of quality, uh, I'd probably go with uh, Pittsburgh-Nashville. Oh, good. Yeah, no, I thought I, I did six games. That was a weird one, too, though, because uh, Pecorine really struggled, especially in, in the three games in Pittsburgh. That was a good one. I, I, I'm with you. You know what it, it is? When you think about it, in the decade, there haven't been, you know, when I I think of, um, you know, that uh, L.A. New York Rangers series, even though it was over in five games, games were compelling, right? Yeah. You know, the number, Rangers- seven, number seven on my list was L.A.'s uh, first cup. And the specific moment was, because I was charged with writing about Dee Lombardi that night, we couldn't find him. Yes. <laughs> he was uh, hiding in a in one of his favorite rooms at Staples Center, I think, having a cigarette and a beer, and was surprised when he was told that the media wanted to interview him after they won the Stanley Cup. So that was so Dean. Yeah. And, I, and I remember that, because he... You know, as I wrote, the first thing he did is thank uh, his predecessors and other people and basically talked about everyone else but himself. And I just thought it was such a wonderful moment. Yeah. No, and that, but but that, and the hockey was good, but it was a short series. And so it was, you know. That was New Jersey. Yeah. Right. But 
Right, but the, the second one, the Rangers-Kings in 14, but actually the best hockey in those playoff years was actually at the conference final level, right? Like I would go, in, well, that, yeah. I covered that 14 conference final, Chicago-LA, maybe the best series I've ever I, I probably should have had that on my list, except I didn't cover it, so I said that. You could have called me. <laughs> That was unbelievable. And I had done the West so much in those years. And for whatever reason, you and I got switched. I went East and you went West. I covered Montreal, New York um, that year. And by the time I got to the, I missed, I think, the first game of the Eastern Final because of travel. And by then, Carey Price is already out of the series. So so that was, uh, the rest of that series wasn't very compelling. No, that's interesting. All right. We're just going to wrap up here. Anything else, you know, from this decade or any other decade as you are wanting to throw in 02 or 08 or 09? But is there, uh, what about, what about, what about something off ice? Uh, I mentioned the Thrashers moving to Winnipeg. They were actually two of my top 10 because it was such a, you know, it was a disappointment for the NHL to lose a huge market like Atlanta, even though really? no one. Well, I'm just saying it's a disappointment for the NHL. <laughs> I don't think anybody in Atlanta, like, it, it just, they just left and people were like, Okay, well, but it was I, uh, a huge deal in Winnipeg, right? It was the yin and yang of it. Yeah, well, I put Vegas, even though I cheated, it wasn't really an on-ice moment, but I put Vegas as a top-ten moment on my list. Uh, they're on my list, and, well... What, do you own the rights to them? Like It's an off-ice moment, anyway. Oh. But yeah. you're right. Your, your list doesn't look very interesting. Um, no, I mean, it, it's just so unbelievable. And, and, and it is on-ice, because opening night was so emotional yeah. because of the, you know, because of the events and... Um, and they were so dominant on home ice the entire season. And the whole thing was unbelievable. And, and the show that they would produce, the in-game entertainment, I mean, everything about, I mean, it still is one of the great stories in the league, but I think as a moment in the decade, their expansion year is, is unparalleled. I'm with you on that. So I, you started with your favorite moment. So here's my favorite moment of the decade. Go, I'm going to go back to Vancouver because okay. that whole tournament was amazing. But this was also off ice. Didn't make my list, but it was off ice. And my favorite moment is after we left Vancouver uh. and we flew back to Toronto because the, tra- the trade deadline, that was a perfect NHL schedule, right? Trade deadline is the... Day after the gold medal game, or two days after, it was like really literally, tight. yeah, it was very tight. Trade deadline right after the end of the Olympics, and uh, you and I had shared a, a very, very tiny little suite in Vancouver. And uh, my favorite moment of the decade is when you got home and realized that I had put days worth of pepperoni ends, those the hard pieces at the end of pepperoni sticks, and some of those tiny cheese wheels. You know, with the with the red wax coating, I had put them in your suitcase while you were doing your last uh, personal hygiene before we packed up and went to cover the trade deadline in Toronto. And that yes. that's that's a high point for me of the decade. Yes, while I was showering before we headed to the airport, you littered my suitcase with raw food products, <laughs> and I will tell you that. Had you be standing next to me when I opened my suitcase in Toronto? Do you remember that scene in Step Brothers, where where Will Ferrell and and his, and his stepbrother rumble on the front lawn? Yes, that would have been what I would have done to you. I would have literally launched myself on you. I hadn't slept in a month, and I opened my suitcase to get my laundry done, and there are pepperoni 
sticks and pieces of cheese all over my suitcase. The, what would have been the only thing that would have been better is if you'd had to fly internationally instead of going from Vancouver to Toronto. If you'd had to fly somewhere internationally and your suitcase was uh, was confiscated, but that would that would have been too much to hope for. All right, well, well I'll this. Tell you what, it was. Uh, a second great decade working alongside you, my friend, between ESPN.com and The Athletic. We have had many great trips together, many moments. Some of them we just can't share in a podcast, really. But No, we're saving it for the movie rights. <laughs> Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, title's already taken, but it would be right up there. All right, my friend. Well, uh, we're going to bring this uh, special decade podcast to a close. Fine work, though. That's all. Right on, right on.